You actually have to pay them payroll and withhold the appropriate taxes and just really make the point that they are a bona fide employee and that you are paying them a reasonable salary or reasonable hourly wage, whatever it is. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service, here comes a free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714 I interviewed her about her best ever advice, talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you got 500 units or even a handful of units, go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free, mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today, Diane Gardner. How you doing, Diane? I'm doing fantastic, Joe. How are you? I'm doing fantastic and nice to have you on the show. And holy cow, best ever listeners, I hope you're having a best ever weekend. I forgot to mention that. And because it is Sunday, we're doing a special segment called Skill Set Sunday, where we're going to talk about a specific skill that will help you either hone the current skill that you have now or introduce a new skill. And today we're talking about the number one expense we all have, which is taxes, and Diane's going to talk us through how to stop overpaying on our taxes. So a little bit about Diane. She is the owner of Tax Coach for You, which is a public accounting firm, and she is a certified tax coach. She has written the book titled Stop Overpaying Your Taxes, and she's based in Rathdrum, Rathdrum Idaho. Did I pronounce that right? Pretty much. <laughs> More or less, right? More or less. <laughs> how, do you, how do we pronounce the town you're in? Rathdrum. Rathdrum. All right, cool. Diane, with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus, and then we'll dive into the topic. You bet. Well, Joe, several years ago, as we were working our way through the recession, my clients were pretty well dying on the vine. I had an awful lot of them that were connected to the construction and real estate market, and it was just causing havoc in my office because 
all of a sudden we were working with clients who couldn't afford to pay us. And so I knew at that point I had to change my focus, I had to shift to a different type of client to go after. And so part of that shift, I realized that even during the recession, there was people out there making a ton of money. And those people were paying a lot of tax. And as I got more into this little niche that I started working in, I realized that they were paying money that they didn't really need to give to the government. They were giving them this huge tip over and above the tax that they really needed to pay. So we started changing our market and started working with successful entrepreneurs, real estate professionals, business owners, the people who are out there paying too much tax and helping them to see all the various areas and strategies within the IRS code that allows them to save money. And most of the time, they weren't even aware that they could take advantage of these various deductions and tax strategies. Well, you've piqued my curiosity, that's for sure. What are some various strategies within the tax code that we can use to save money? Well, Joe, I'm going to start out with just some of the smaller ones that anybody can take advantage of, whether they just own a couple properties or they have a whole bunch, and that's things like making sure you're in the right entity type. So often I see real estate professionals holding entities in their own personal name and leaving themselves wide open for liability, problems down the road, leaving themselves wide open for paying too much tax. So by being able to move them over possibly into a different type of entity, whether it be an LLC or S-Corp or a C-Corp or something along those lines, then we're able to do some tax planning with that because we have more to work with at that point. We can look into setting up a management company and hiring maybe a spouse to work in that company and then being able to write off potentially 100% of all your out-of-pocket medical costs. So there's some nice strategies once we start looking at the entities type side of the business. Makes sense. Then as we're moving on up the line, making sure that they're taking advantage of all their auto deductions, whether they're taking standard mileage or they're actually tracking actual costs. Because there's another area that they're not necessarily paying attention to that type of stuff because they may not be thinking of themselves in a traditional type of business. So making sure that we're taking advantage of that, that's a very much an overlooked area in this industry. Mm. The meals and entertainment, another huge one. How many times are they meeting with potential investors, potential sellers, buyers, whatever it might be, and making sure that they're taking full advantage of that right off as well? Moving on up the line, looking at hiring family to work in your business. How many times do we have older parents that we're helping to support? They're needing that extra little bit of help because maybe they've been trying to live off of just Social Security or Social Security and a small amount of pension or something. But what if you could put them to work in your business somewhere, their dignity remains intact because now they're feeling worthwhile and like they're important again, and using them in your business and being able to take that as a write-off, and all along, you're helping them. You're meeting those financial needs in their home. I do that strategy with my own mom, oh, yeah. who's Can needing you... that extra little bit of help. Can you give details on that? Because I have heard and talked to people who do that with their kids, but I don't have any kids, so it doesn't apply to me. So maybe with my parents. Can you tell me how that works? You bet. I'll use my own mom as an example. She needs just that extra little bit each month to make ends meet. So I have hired her to work in my business. She fills out a timesheet just like all my other staff do. She gets paid an hourly rate. We have her do various things around the office. 
And in the end, I would be helping her whether it came out of my personal pocket or it came out of my business pocket. But by hiring her to work in my business, I'm able to write off that money versus if I just cut her a check out of my personal account, that's not a write-off for me. So she has been a great write-off over the years. And that way she doesn't feel like she's taking a handout or, you know, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. She's actually earning it. And in my case, she puts together our newsletter for us. She folds it and assembles it and does all that type of stuff, as well as some other items around the office. And so I would have to hire somebody else to help with that end of the newsletter anyhow. So might as well be my mom. Are there any restrictions or guidelines for the amount you can compensate your parents based on the work that they do. For example, if they're doing that newsletter, but you compensate them 100000 a year, is that a red flag? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It has to be the same amount that you would pay anybody else to do that job. So you have to be careful. The same rule applies with your children if you're hiring them. You can't pay them more than you would pay somebody else to do the same job or the same work or the same task. And you do want to have a job description, and you want to have them keep a timesheet, and you actually have to set them up on payroll. So you can't just give them money and then at the end of the year, say, do a journal entry and drop this into my book so I can take it on my taxes. You actually have to pay them payroll and withhold the appropriate taxes and just really make the point that they are a bona fide employee and that you are paying them a reasonable salary or reasonable hourly wage, whatever it is. But there is so much we can have our parents do if we just kind of stop and think about it, and I know I'm not the only one in that situation whose parents need just an extra little bit of help. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, that was one of my favorites because people's eyes light up. It's like, well, yeah, I've been helping my parents for years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that one kind of applies to a lot of us. Moving on up the ladder even more, for those who are involved in the larger properties and are potentially looking at selling maybe a large piece of property, something that's going to sell for more than about oh six seven dollars $700,000, and they have a lot of gain sitting in that property. Maybe they've had it for quite a few years, or they got a really screaming deal back during the recession time, and now they're thinking about turning it. There are some really nice tax strategies that allow you to save hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax on the sale of that property. And we call that a monetized installment sale agreement where you're able to defer that tax off for 30 years. And there is money that is invested that allows you to be able to pay that tax at the end of the 30 years. And you're able to just save a ton of tax. I'm amazed every time we get to do one of these for one of my real estate professionals, how much tax they're able to save and walk away with so much more cash at closing than they would have had otherwise. Because normally on a large deal like that, by the time they pay capital gains tax, federal income tax, potentially state income tax, depending what state they live in, they can give the government at least 50% of the gain. Mm -hmm. And who wants to do that? So now, those are some yeah, really cool strategies. It is a really cool strategy. I'm going to even turn the table because what's important for us to learn is why someone would do the installment sale agreement because that could help us as real estate investors who want to acquire a property from someone who this makes sense. But we put a little bit less 
it's a creative way of acquiring it. So we go into acquisition with a little bit less money into it because we're paying it off over a long period of time. So how is that structured? Can you educate us on how the installment sale would be structured? This is completely different than just a traditional installment sale. Okay. This has a traditional close at escrow, whatever your financing options are type of thing, but this works for the seller. And it's a really complicated formula to kind of speak it out to the listeners, but I'm just going to say it is one of those wow type tax strategies that people aren't even aware is out there. And if anybody's interested in more information on it, I'd be happy to have that conversation offline just because it can become very dull and dry very quickly. Okay. And it's called a monetized installment sale agreement? Right. So from someone who's buying it, it's the same thing as just a sale? You bet, yeah. You're just buying a piece of property. Where this works is for the somebody who has owned this property. An example, I have my own clientele. I have a client who inherited a piece of property from her mom and dad when they passed away. This property is sitting in a C-Corp. It has been sitting in a C-Corp since the 1960s. And the kids are now deciding to get rid of it. Their gain on this property is going to be somewhere around $800,000. Well, with it sitting in the C-Corp, like it has been all these years, they're not only are going to pay tax at the corporate level when they sell the property, but then they're also going to end up paying tax at the personal level because they're going to have to take it out as a dividend. So when we worked out the numbers on that, the corporate level was going to be about 50%, and then we're going to throw another 20% or so over on the personal side. They were going to be giving up about 60 70 80%, depending what state they're living in, just for the tax rate. So we're in the process of putting together one of these for them right now where they'll be able to save about close to three, four $400,000 in tax just by structuring this in a little bit different way before we head into the escrow process. I like it. Not as much as they like it, but I like it. <laughs> yes. I like it a lot. Yeah. Well, you've mentioned five strategies already. Are there any other strategies that come to mind that you want to mention? during our conversation? Well, it's always good to look into the retirement planning side of things. For those who are at that section of life who maybe haven't put away enough towards retirement, as long as you're running your real estate profession in some sort of an entity, then we like to look at things like whether it might be a simple plan or a set plan or moving all the way up into a solo 401k to where we can put some money away towards retirement. It comes out pre-tax. So that's another great way of saving some money and being able to pull it out later down the line and lower that tax bill as you're going throughout the year. Diane, where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Joe, the best way is to go out to my website, which is www.taxcoachforyou.com, and we use the number four in that address. And if they'll click on the tab that says books and come down the page a little way, they will see a book called The Ten Most Expensive Tax Mistakes That Cost Real Estate Professionals Thousands. We love to give that book away. All we ask is that listeners pay shipping and handling on it, and they can definitely just click on that link, and we will get their book right out in the mail to them. What's one of the most expensive mistakes that you haven't mentioned during our conversation today? I'm going to say probably the top number one is failing to plan, not realizing that you can plan your way to a lower tax liability. So many people think that 
just however it comes out is how it comes out at the end of the year when it's time to do that tax return, not realizing that with some planning and some foresight and that type of thing that we can drastically change the outcome on a tax return. On During that planning side, what's one tactic within the plan that is important? Finding an accounting, a professional who is a good fit for you, somebody who understands the type of industry that you're in, somebody who is going to proactively put together a plan that will last you for the next three, four, five years that will take into account what your goals are, where you plan to be with your business, and being able to implement the appropriate strategies, which is why I highly recommend somebody who's got the letter CTC behind their name, which stands for Certified Tax Coach. All right, Diane, thank you for being on the show, sharing various strategies to save money on taxes. You've given us more than five, but I'm going to mention five. One is making sure we're in the right entity type. Two is automobile deductions, tracking the costs, tracking the mileage. Three, meals and entertainment. Four, hiring family in our business. You hire your mom. We talked through that specific example and five, monetize installment sale agreement, which you talked through a little bit. So thanks so much for being on the show, Diane. Hope you have a best ever weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Joe, thank you for having me on your program. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, We'll have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com.